3: Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T Mobile 5G home Internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit Cox.com slash 5G home for details. T Mobile prioritizes certain T Mobile phone users over home Internet users during times of congestion. What are you doing, Wagner?
4: It's time for that. Our non award winning segment. What are you doing, Wagner? We're just wondering what you're doing, what people are doing, what things have been going on. And I didn't want to miss this text because it may disappear from my screen. As we discussed which franchise, which ownership group was acting more disgraceful, the Cubs or, so- or, Cubs or Bears? 630, the Cubs problem is from greed. The Bears stems from stupidity. A really good dividing line, Mark Brody. That's a really good definition,
5: right there. Succinct. Yeah, Right uh, right. How about let me throw this question out there, too, before you get to your uh, what are we doing, Wagner? Here, um, an inside baseball question Would this be the time for the Cubs to pivot marquee to cover more Chicago sports and pounce while NBCSN as a whole is shredding? I don't this think be so because to, yeah. it's a Cubs network. I like, I I don't yeah. know if he means, like, try to get the Bulls and stuff like that. Like, maybe more games that NBC Sports Chicago would carry. But I don't think that they would go and get, like, try to get the Bulls and Blackhawks and stuff like that. That would make sense, right? On you a signed,
4: Because they're part owners. You're talking about part owners of what's left of NBC Sports Chicago. So, yeah. um, I don't I. I don't know. Um, this would be time to go get an owner like Steve Cohen. That's really what you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, Moving right yeah. along. So in What Are You Doing, Wagner? We had a notable passing. There have been several in the last 24 hours. We will deal with Henry Aaron later on. <clears throat> right now, in case you hadn't heard, 87 years, Larry King passed away. The talk show, some of the best things you ever heard overnight. The He was the news version, the general talk version of Les Grobstein. He was overnight, yeah. he was there, he was always there for you. He was a one-of-a-kind, Larry King was, and then everybody saw him on on CNN. You saw him all over with a talk show and, and, and stuff like that. But originally it was mutual broadcasting, it was overnight. <clears throat> and Trash Panda here has gotten together some, some of Larry's greatest hits, I guess you'd call them. Trash Panda, share with the class what you brought us.
6: All right, guys. So, the these are probably three of my personal favorite Larry King moments. Mm-hmm. And so the first one is from well, it's it's from an actor that was in the show Community. I don't know if you guys ever watched that show. Dan, Danny Pudi, who yeah. played yeah, so he played Abed in in Community. So he was on with Larry King, and they had this amazing exchange.
1: A luxury you can't live without.
7: A luxury, I can't live without coffee. I really like good it's coffee. It's not a
1: luxury, you can get it anywhere.
7: Uh, I guess, yeah, I like good coffee. What, what's
1: my... I love coffee,
7: too. I like nice socks.
1: Socks? Your your socks, would you put in your shoes?
7: Yeah, I really love them. I like kind of like, you know, cozy feet.
1: You're attracted to your socks
7: i'm attracted to really nice running socks like i'm always looking for good running you know, socks.
1: Not, that's not a luxury though coffee and socks are not a luxury
7: all right give me a luxury which what luxury should i have private plane larry i'm on ducktales
6: <laughs> i thought it was just amazing it is that's a
4: great choice and by the way it wasn't just on community as a show which was probably the bigger name was Chevy Chase when it started, but it became Childish Gambino by the end. That was your star.
6: Oh, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah.
4: Okay, so next.
6: All right, next up, this is from The Simpsons, one of the earlier episodes. Not When I say earlier, I mean first ten seasons. I can't remember the exact episode it's from, but this is one of, I think he had several appearances on The Simpsons. I could be wrong about that, but this is this is at least one of the appearances that he had. I'm your moderator, Larry
5: King. Now, a word to our audience: even though we're being broadcast on Fox, there's no need for obnoxious hooting and hollering. That's it. Just nice. short and sweet. That's it. You just had to get your Simpsons
6: in. Well, of That's course. You saw right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Obviously. Right. Let me look who you're talking to here. So yeah, I get it. the The final one. This is the longest one, and this is this is the one that we. That this is one that you know, Rosie pointed out. This is the one that has been talk- talked about on Twitter most today. It's, I, I don't know if it's, it's one of the more famous exchanges, considering who it's with. So this is Larry King and Jerry Seinfeld shortly after Seinfeld ended.
4: Lasted how long? Nine years. 180 episodes. You gave it up, right? I did. Sir. They didn't cancel you. You canceled them. You're not aware of this? No, I'm, I'm asking you. Yeah. You think I got canceled? Are you under the impression uh, that I got canceled? You? Have I hurt you, Jerry? I thought don't, that was
8: pretty well documented. Don't this is most a, shows go down? Is this still down. CNN?
4: Don't most shows go down a little? Most
8: people do also. You But,
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I went off the air. I was the number one show on television, Larry. You were do you all, know no. who I am? <laughs> Jewish guy, Brooklyn. Yes. yes. Okay. 75
1: Look. million viewers. Last okay. episode. Why are you? Don't take it so bad.
8: Well, that's a a big difference between being canceled and being number one. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry.
1: We'll be right back. Jeez. B movie opens. (laughs) B movie opens. Resume
4: in here for me. B movie movie opens tomorrow.
1: We'll
5: be right back. We'll be right back.
4: I never heard know, that.
5: That is great. Yeah,
4: I I had not seen that in a while. <laughs> I forgot how good it was and it reminded me of Larry. You, Did you ever watch Getting Coffee, Coffee with Comedians and Cars?
5: Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, most of the I, episodes, sure.
4: The one he did with Carl Reiner that included uh-huh. Mel Brooks?
5: Yeah, yeah, where they
4: eat lunch together every Mel day. Mel Brooks day doesn't know who Jerry Seinfeld is in that episode. Oh, he doesn't. Mel, no, you go watch that again. And Carl Wright oh, okay. sort of calls him out on it. He goes, you don't know who he is. Oh, Mel Brooks says, you're the guy with the sketches, right? And, go, and Jerry's looking at him with Carl Wright, You don't know who he is, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well done, Trash Panda. Uh, yeah,
5: well done. I, I got to go. Yeah, that's, think it. It's so funny, man, because I uh, literally five minutes ago, I was like, why is Jerry Seinfeld trending? And the question yeah. has been answered. That's why Jerry there you Seinfeld go. is trending.
4: We got you an answer. All right, so speaking of answers, there's all these athletes have been doing <clears throat> Zoom post-game conferences. And much like the, the way the NCAA would do it is they'd have them run up and do, do one after another, one after another, one after another. And so they're doing it this way on on Zoom. So someone's waiting in the wings. So here's Anthony Davis. He'll be in town with the Lakers tonight. And here's Anthony Davis. At the end of his Zoom, and I guess his coach, Frank Vogel, is standing in the wings as Anthony Davis finishes his Zoom press conference.
6: Frank Vogel is the most handsome coach I ever had. Oh, what's up, coach? Hey! You're learning. training's kicking
5: I try to train all my players. This is what they're supposed to say about their coach when they're done with their press conference. He finally did it. The training's kicking There you go. What a he's handsome the most man! Most
4: handsome coach I ever played.
5: <laughs> there you go, and there's Frank who is Lose the saying, most yeah. handsome NBA head coach of all time? Is it Pat Riley?
4: I, well, or was he he's just slick-looking, Michael Douglas-looking guy with a the, right the, the same hair, and they did the whole thing. Um, yeah, Doug I, Collins I, I...
5: in the perm days, perm days, Doug Collins. Yeah. Before he That's became it. worn. Yeah, nobody you. Hmm.
4: Nobody really wow. stands
5: out, right? Mike Fratello, Frank,
4: Frank Layden. No. I don't know Frank Layden. You got? Nah. no no, no, not
5: doing that. Okay. Uh uh-uh. uh 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 not doing All that. Not, not any of the Van Gundy's. No, not
4: <laughs> <laughs> random Van Gundy's.
5: Yeah, <laughs> carry on.
4: I know. Um, we have we have a quarterback update. Hmm. A Bears quarterback. I've been
5: wondering about this. You update. teased this
4: earlier. What's up? Yeah. Well, here you go. I I wanna. This was shared with us by Trash Panda, so I'll let him walk this up because nobody's been nobody's been reporting this, nobody's been on top of this, nobody's been as obsessed with the Bears quarterback story like Trash Panda. So why don't you share with the class?
6: What Trash up, Panda. TP? So last night, let me see if I can get the timestamp on when this was posted. It was later in the evening, after 10, 11 o'clock. A post was made on Instagram by Jay Cutler himself on his on his Instagram that used to be ran by his his wife by Kristen, uh-huh. right? And now is ran by him. So, post comes up and it's Jay and Kristen taking a selfie together and it says the caption reads the world is full of users, 10 years can't break that. And now there's just wild speculation about oh whether they're back together, because if you remember, of course, last year, we had an entire series of shows where we updated. In fact, this segment was born, I think, from uh-huh. us constantly updating Jay Cutler's life. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, so now we've come full circle. And the the, the the Twitter and Instagram was a storm with, are they back together or not? Because like, there's been radio silence since then. I, I didn't check Kristen's Instagram. I only follow Jay. I don't check Kristen. So I'll check hers right now to see if she said anything.
4: But, yeah, but it was important to follow her because she was she was playing tonsil hockey with that with the Chicago artist, and we had we had we, that we reported on that in a in a what are you doing Wegner segment right oh after my, no. okay right after Jay and Tommy Laren were seen out yeah in well you, you know, a, I think that
5: day. was a hot couple
6: maybe I followed her for a while and then decided that she broke my boy's heart so I'm not going to give her the courtesy of my follow, but she posted <laughs> the exact same picture with the exact same caption. Yesterday. Oh, okay. So that's right. that's you know maybe it I will, enjoyed will, the
5: I the Cutler Tommy Laren thing, that was fun. And but yeah. then it just it didn't take apparently. So uh,
4: apparently not. Well I'm glad we I'm glad we were able to <laughs> to get to that. Apparently e Channel reported I know that my Diva works at E Channel, Channel E News reported that nothing has changed. So they're still separated and I guess Jay still won't give her five million dollars for a mansion which is sort of where we last left the finances of this thing. Quote, oh, that's right. they're friends and they are single, and they will always have each other's back. That's apparently the quote. And in some form or another, they're co-parenting. So I hope so. There's there's your update on that. Um, <clears throat> you want a you
5: wanna, uh, Toby update real quick?
4: I was just going to say that before we get to the grabber. Let's. Let's get a Toby update as far as what are you doing, Wegner. Apparently, Toby is
5: emailing yeah. you. Yeah, this is a big day for uh, Trash Panda today because some of this is directed <laughs> at him once again. This is what happens when he, yeah, you stay the whole show, man. Your voice is heard and people start taking shots at you. That, welcome to Steve and I in our world, man. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, first of all, he said he wanted to get in on the where he was listening from. He said he's listening from the cold and cloudy coast. And he says, at least it's not raining. And the picture he sent me, there's like a swamp and then I think mountains in the background. So I, I'm assuming that when he says the coast and it's cold, that he'd be on the east coast. So that's where Toby is. And then, I don't know if I missed part of this email, but it just starts with, yeah, just, just don't talk to Adam. It's appropriate since he, he likes to ignore people, exclamation point. Since I'll probably be ignored, ask Rick Camp if he knows this trick. Um, Oreo in the freezer allows you to fully remove the icing cake from the wafer. Now eligible to make unlimited stuff. Maybe we'll talk. And then he says, period, comma Bears. (laughs) Oh, and then there was a little bit more about how he tried to call a few weeks ago. And and then the lines were busy for half an hour. So I don't know if Studs was pulling that old producer trick where they X out all the lines because they don't want to hear from the people. But that that's it. That's what Toby has to say.
6: All right. Thanks, Toby. I, I can't vouch for anything that happened after noon in the past couple shows. So if, if the lines were blocked at that point after, on you. after I was gone, it's not, not on me. And gotcha. I, I will say that the lines might have been blocked for a full hour today, maybe or maybe not. But we had a full hour of stuff going on. So why do you block the lines? You guys
5: don't want to hear from the people? The, the You guys just think, like, you know, you don't want to hear people call and say, hey, just wondering what the score of this game is, or what's the what's that all about?
6: Blocking out the it's lines. It's the incessant ringing that just, I can't take it. <laughs>
5: you, can't, you can't turn off the
6: ringer? No. There? there's I don't Never. know. I, I probably could, but we need the ringer to know that, like, to alert us, you know, to the fact that there's a call. I got gotcha. you. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but in the meantime, you don't want to be taking those calls.
4: We didn't have any breaking phone calls today. But, None. None. Okay. Well, maybe next week. Maybe,
5: maybe next week. Maybe next
4: week. Yeah. All right. We'll try that again next week. We'll, we'll ask where people are listening and who's the bigger disgrace, Cubs ownership or Bears ownership. And we'll see if that gets a breaking phone call. For now, Mark, let's dot, dot, dot. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will acknowledge the passing of one of the all-time greats. Henry Aaron, and uh, we're gonna do that with one of our all-time greats, Les Grobstein. Yes. And we will uh, share that with everybody on Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Brody, with you, we thank you for listening, wherever it is, however it is, under whatever condition you're doing it, whether you're a WB Club member or a day drinker, self-medication is the best medication in these challenging times. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: worker of yours.
1: One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a
4: high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone.
1: country in the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly
7: for Henry Aaron.
4: That was the legendary moment, as called by Vin Scully and a Legendary home run by Henry Aaron and what Vince Scully did on that call. Once it was gone, he shut up until Henry Aaron got around the bases. Other broadcasters will tell you everything. At 7.15, is Vinny knew that you already knew. And then he put it into just spectacular perspective of what just happened. And we would later find out the kind of Things that Henry Aaron had to go through, switching hotels and running running, um, red herring cars, death threats for the family, for him, because he was a black man in the Deep South getting a standing ovation, but before that happened he was getting death threats. That was number 715, it was in 1974, and that was... That was remembered in the wake of his passing yesterday. Henry Aaron passed away. And I don't know if you... Mark, do you have a, a memory, a thought, a, and anything that jumps to mind? The picture, the snapshot that jumps to mind when someone says, Henry
5: Aaron? I mean, just him, the that replay of him rounding second base and holding his helmet on and Mm -hmm. the, I mean that, that seems to be the one, you know, having, not having watched him play um, you know, that's the, I am sort of dependent upon what highlights are shown. And that is the one that, that leaks through more than anything. I feel like the, the more I read about Henry Aaron and have read about him in the past, God, we just sucked, man. Like, the the fact that he had <laughs> to do right. like I feel like saying sorry you know what I mean like every time I read these stories or hear about what he had to go through I'm like man we're we were awful we're just awful like that that society let that go and I'm sure that if I lived back then I would have been like I would have been part of the problem just like letting it happen you know what I mean like not that I'm racist, but I probably would have been guilty in that I would have allowed it to happen and just kind of been like, "Oh, well, that sucks." So I'm sorry. I'm sorry like I every time I read these and hear these stories, I'm like, that just blows and that sucks and considering how we revere athletes and idolize them and the pedestal we put them on and he had to go through all that crap, it sucks.
4: It does indeed, some would argue we haven't much we haven't moved much forward in the in since 1974, uh but that's not why you called today. We called Les Grobstein. He's on the guest hotline brought to you by Al Pomani <laughs> Nissan. And there was a, a memorable Chicago moment Henry Aaron was involved in. There were actually a lot of them. He came to Wrigley a lot. He was We'll, we'll replay an interview with Billy Williams that he did with Bruce and the newly named Chris. Uh, his co-host on inside the clubhouse, but yeah. Les, thanks for joining us. And and I, I thought, were you in the were you in the ballpark for Kenny Holtzman's
2: no hitter? I was indeed. And as soon yes. as Aaron hit that ball, as soon as he hit that ball, I thought it was across the street. And Billy Williams went back into the curve in the wall, leaped up and caught it. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing there. But he did grab it. And uh, Kenny Holtzman even said after the game. He says when it was hit, he thought it was gone. And then in the ninth inning, he threw nothing but fastballs. He didn't throw any curves, no off-speed stuff. He said, I was going to either get it or not get it by throwing nothing but fastballs, and he did.
5: Les, did you ever
2: interview Hank Aaron? Many, many times. I talked to him when he was uh, – one time when he was still with the Braves when they were in Milwaukee – But um, I was really, really young at that point. Of course, he moved. uh, They moved to Atlanta in 1966. But uh, I've interviewed him many other times. The last time I talked to him, I mentioned how uh, it's always been my thought. I said, I've got my all-time outfielder situation, and I haven't changed it. I said, it's you, it's Willie, and it's Roberto. I said that, and, and he smiled ear to ear and he says, Thank you very much. And you could see he agreed with me on that. He loved being put in the same category with Willie Mays and Roberto Clemente. Of course, Clemente's been gone since uh, the end of 1972 on New Year's Eve. But uh, Willie, who's still around now, usually he's in the Arizona around spring training time uh, and does a lot of book signing things that year. But he and Hank Aaron remain very good friends to this day.
4: Les Grabstein is our guest, you can hear him overnights on the score, and I, uh, one of the, if you're a a hockey fan, you'll often quote the idea that Wayne Gretzky could have simply scored zero goals, and his assists would make him the all-time point leader in the NHL, that's how dominant he was. Well, here's a, I was reminded of that stat when I saw this about Henry Aaron. That if you took away all of his 755 home runs he is still in the 3000 hit club that is an amazing career that's something that that i just i i was stunned i never thought about that he was one of the most consistent
2: ball players ever and a great outfielder we know how great willie mays was defensively we know how unbelievable roberto Clemente is and there have been others, uh, Dwight Evans in the American League with Boston, and others who were great outfielders. But uh, Hank Aaron was such a good hitter, and he never hit more than 40 home runs in a season. Is that incredible? I mean, a lot of guys, you'd think all those home runs he hit, they uh, hit maybe 50 or 55. And we yeah. know that uh, the steroid guys like Barry Bonds and uh, Mark McGuire and people like that, bottom line is Hank Aaron never hit more than 50 in a year or 40 in a year, excuse me. Grover,
5: what did um, pitchers say about facing Like, What did Cubs pitchers say when the, the approach of going up against a guy like Hank Aaron?
2: Uh, basically, uh, let the ball go and then close your eyes and hope he just doesn't hit it out of the yard. Um, <laughs> yeah, the guy had as quick a wrist as any. The only guy who had wrists as quick as his was Ernie Banks. Billy. Ernie had oh, a... Oh, I thought you were going to say amazing, Billy. What about Billy? Billy's no, got Bi- quick wrists. Billy, Billy was both, wrists and power. He was both. Oh, okay. In the case of Henry Aaron, it was his wrists were unbelievable and you didn't realize how much power he had because his wrists were so quick.
4: I had a opportunity to interview uh, Henry Aaron on the 30th anniversary of the home run. It, uh, it was in Atlanta. I was just starting out to do the out loud series of interviews I did. And how do you, know, how do you not want to start with Henry Aaron? And he, in the course of the interview, he's, he's telling this story that I'd never heard before. And he, I said, the, just going back to when you were becoming a star baseball, being a star now has changed over the years. And he said, there's, there's a moment after he got a big league contract that he's with his dad in Mobile, Alabama. They're on the floor of a grocery store. His dad always wanted to own this grocery store. They're pulling cans off and they're putting cans back on. And Henry Aaron says, Dad, do you want to own this store? He goes, Yeah. And Henry Aaron bought the store for his dad. And he told it with a little more flair than I did. I had never heard this. But it's all the kind of story that so much of what we've read about Henry Aaron, if you didn't know before, what a humble man he was, how he was not interested in being, if he, If he was ever called a hero, he he just wanted to be an example. He did not want to be the star of the show, but it was unavoidable. He was the star of stars when he walked into a room. There were people who got tongue-tied, and these are Major League Baseball players who got tongue-tied when he was around. It was an amazing thing that we come across people like that in our business less. It's a great opportunity.
2: Like I said, I've been around, I've been able to see him a long time. Some of our colleagues never saw him play for the Milwaukee Braves before that team relocated for Atlanta. One of the stories was, even though Hank Aaron is from the Deep South, from Mobile, Alabama, he was concerned about the Braves moving into Atlanta because, let's face it, that's in the Deep South, whereas, whereas when the Braves were still playing in Milwaukee and played at the County Stadium. But uh, he felt a little more comfortable when he first walked into Atlanta Fulton County Stadium and saw, uh, you know, that place was known as the launching pad. And he realized, hey, this this could be a, a pretty neat thing. And he, he was cranking homers out of there like they were going out of style. And as far as him being humble, absolutely. And I was one of those that, uh, you know, I was furious when... People were sending him a racist email, not even email didn't exist then, but uh, people were sending him mail and stuff like that. It was, it it really ticked me off. I was only 22 years old when he broke Babe Ruth's record. And here was a white kid from the North side. And I was pulling like hell for this guy. I wanted him to break that record more than anything else. And I was thrilled the day he did that. And as for other people who didn't like it because they were racist or whatever. My attitude was, you know what? Um, as we say, and you would understand this, Rosie. Uh, anybody that thought that they could Kishmir and Tach. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
5: you know what I prefer less? KMA. KMA. <laughs> you can do that
2: too. Yeah. We, we weren't using initials at that point and all. And, um, Kathy is sitting right next to me here and she's laughing her butt off about this whole situation. <laughs> she's <laughs> laughing her the off? She, yeah. she knows Grody very well. And Mark, uh, she says hello to you, by
5: the way. Oh, God bless her. Say hi to Kathy. I love Kathy. What are you guys up to today, mm-hmm. man? We have had a hard time tracking you down today, brother. <laughs> See, she's <laughs> laughing with what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, I love Kathy. I haven't seen her since it's been since that the Lady Gaga concert that I'd seen Kathy. My God, are you guys both forever. little monsters? Is Lex
4: is
2: less a little monster too?
5: He became one, but he kind of resented her at first. Don't you? You kind of you
2: don't really like Lady Gaga. I wasn't a big you, fan, but I I went. I got tickets for us to go because I was trying to do. I know how much Kathy loved her, and I wanted to do Kathy a favor. And you know, it was it was better than I thought. And needless to say, uh, she was on. Uh, uh, on that thing the other day for the inauguration, so she had a lot of uh, a lot of times where she had a chance to uh, appear and do whatever. But uh, you know what, uh, I liked it better than I thought I was going to. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this... and I talked about it on the air that night here on the score, and yeah. Kathy didn't believe me that I <laughs> mentioned on the air that I was there. <laughs> yeah, you were there.
5: We, you know, hey man, you and I both. Found, I was there with my girlfriend at the time. You were there with the lovely Kathy, and we're like, hey man. Just do it all for the nookie, you know.
4: Right there, you go. Now, that's 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 excellent. So, um, Les, I want to. I'll leave you with this. This story, I had not seen this before, but this is from Tom Hondrecourt, who uh, covers baseball, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel forever, and he passes passes along this story. Bob Euker has a story about the first time he met Hank Aaron with the Braves. I came up to him and said. Hi, I'm Bob. And Henry said, what do you do? Yeah, I said, <laughs> I'm a catcher. And Henry said, for what team? <laughs>
8: <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's, that's Bob Euchre. Yeah, that's, and that's the way it goes.
5: That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. So
4: I'm going to have to go redo my work. You know, after the inauguration the other day, Lady Gaga was like, she got... I have the same outfit, and now I can't wear that. So I'm going to have to go find something else. I'm going to have to go redrew my
2: wardrobe. Les, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure. And by the way, Rosie, I can't get off the air without telling you, hey, you suck. Thank you.
5: Thank you. That's (laughs) what we're working on. Thanks for playing along, Les. You're (laughs) a good man.
2: Thanks for playing our
4: game. Drive home safely. Thanks, Les. Bye, Kathy. Yep.
5: See you guys. Bye. Bye. Aw, right. Les and Kathy cuddled up on a cold Saturday. I just love it. I love
4: it. You're right, right. And she's chuckling alongside. Um, and maybe she's just not used to seeing Les up during the day because we're not used to that. Yeah, it, but it's But we odd. thank him for joining us. Yeah. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we have um, a special broadcast thing coming up after this oh, on Saturday. <laughs> suckage. What's Chicago Sports Radio. Up? 670
2: the score. It sucks, and it freebases. Kudos, Elaine, on a job. Done. So,
4: Coach Tibbs and Frank Layton are nominees for Handsomest NBA Coach. To answer your question, Mark.
5: Frank Layton and and who?
4: Frank Layton and Tom Thibodeau. Coach he's, he's rugged
5: handsome he's kick your ass handsome you know? he's
4: do your job handsome
5: Yo, he he's bench press handsome yeah
4: so we wanted to share with you uh, Billy Williams a friend longtime friend of uh, Henry Aaron was on earlier with uh, Bruce and Craig <laughs> and in inside the clubhouse <laughs> so we're gonna bring that back before we do that we want to thank Tom Silverstein uh-huh. for joining us talking Packers and Packers-Bucks. Rick Camp, Bulls, he's on Bulls postgame, the Bulls and Lakers tonight, 6.45 for you, or 7.45, it's 7.45, I guess. Uh, J.J. Stankovitz, hire this man, formerly of NBC Sports Chicago, and Les Grobstein of The Score overnights, talking about Henry Aaron, Mark, if nobody, and Trash Panda was here for the whole show, so he got all sorts of all called out in all sorts of ways, but... And hey, he if I could us-
6: interject one last time, guys, I was informed that my Uncle Joe's birthday was yesterday, so I want to wish him a happy belated birthday. He, I don't know if he's listening today, but I, I was told he does listen regularly, so happy birthday, Uncle Joe.
4: Okay, Uncle Trash Panda. Is he from Alice's side or Shooter's side? Shooter's
6: side. He lives in Arizona. Side. <laughs> he's probably out on his deck in sunny Arizona right now.
4: And we'll have... you, So you'll bring us updates on... On um, our Chicago quarterback, the Jay Cutler, Kristen thing, and 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 w- whatever the cause of that was, whatever updates we can have on Instagram.
6: You'll be be able of to... course, yeah, I yeah. will be Johnny on the spot. All right,
5: and uh, to go. the WBers out there and the day drinkers, every time you hear Billy Williams say, "Craig, take a puff or take a swig."
4: There you go. There you go. That's that's self-medication in these challenging times. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. If nobody important at Entercom uh, listened, then we'll be back next week, next Saturday at 11. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, <laughs> Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
8: How far back you and Hank originally go?
1: Well, it really is, Bruce, to uh, to know that a lot of Hall of Famers have passed away. To name a lot of guys, you know, like Lou Brock, and I was roommates at one time, and of course a lot of those individuals, Bob Gibson. Passed away, but I guess when a guy that uh, you know you grew up with and you've been knowing for a long time, uh, it's it's a little different. I remember when I was like 14 or 15 years old when he played with the uh, Mobile Black Bears. He was a second baseman at the time, and uh, of course I went down to uh, see a baseball game because my brother was on the same team. My brother was a pitcher on the same team. And to see him playing second base and to uh follow him through the years as a as an individual, to know what he's done and hit this historical seven hundred and fifty five home runs to break an all time record which was held for many, many years. And it just it just sad to you know, to hear about the passing of this individual. I got a call yesterday morning about 9.30, which is a friend of mine and a friend of uh, Billy Aaron and Henry Aaron, and uh, he told me what had happened. Aaron went to sleep last night, and, of course, uh, Billy went in to try to wake him up this morning. Normally wake up about 9 o'clock, and she went in to uh, wake him up, and uh, bless God, he was gone. And I I just heard, uh, uh, you know, when you think about that, you think about a little laughter to it, put a little laughter to it, uh, Thomas Sardis going to have a hell of an outfield up there.
7: Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, That whole team.
1: He's got got enough. He don't need no more.
7: (laughs) (laughs) He don't need another outfield. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Agreed, and 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 no 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 lefty. He doesn't need a sweet swinging. No
1: no no. no. You don't no. need a left-handed hitter. Yeah, he got it. He got him up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh,
7: you know, people say uh, Billy that that the sound uh, of the ball coming off Hank's bat. I remember Warren Spahn said he never heard anything like it in his life, and just. The consistency with which Hank hammered the ball—did you see that early on? I mean, you talk really about him at, at age 14 playing second base, and then going to the Indianapolis Clowns. Eventually, moved to the outfield. Did, did you see it, the, him hitting the ball that hard that early?
1: Well, at that time, Craig, uh, we had a lot of good ball players, and and uh, I often say Aaron was a—he wasn't a big standout when he played on this team because we had so many great ball players. He just got the opportunity to play, but there were several guys. There are a few guys when the ball hit the bat. I recognized that when I saw him play in the major league, of course. There are several guys that uh, when the ball come off the bat, it's a different sound. And, uh, you know, Buck O'Neill tells a story, and everybody here that, uh, you know, he was outside of the fence, and he heard this guy looked in, hit, hitting the ball, hitting the ball, and he looked in, and it was uh, Babe Root, you know and uh same thing with Aaron. He was on the outside and when this individual hit the ball, you could tell a different sound. And uh that's what happened when the ball come off the bat, you know, he was quick at the plate and when the ball come off the bat, it was a different sound because you know he was a he was a line drive hitter and of course it was a Different sound when he hit that uh, ball out of the ballpark and it came back off of Kenny Holtzman on that no hitter. Hmm. I know that, I could hear that from left field.
8: <laughs> yeah, that was a special day. I'm Bruce Levine. Matt Spiegel, my co host, were having the privilege to talk to Billy Williams about the life and times of Henry Aaron and. Talk a little bit about that play, because we're talking about uh, the Kenny Holtzman no-hitter in 1969, and uh, take us through that uh, that sequence there where it appears that Aaron has hit a home run, and how you positioned yourself, Billy, to uh, save that no-hitter and make that great catch.
1: Yeah, well, it was, it was a day when the wind was blowing about, I guess, about 35 or 40 miles per hour. And we play in the Atlanta Braves, and uh, Kenny Holson had a no-hitter going. And I guess this is about the sixth inning. I forget what inning was, was in, but uh, I know that uh, Kenny had that no-hitter going, and uh, Kenny threw uh, had a good breaking ball, I think it was, and Kenny threw Aaron a good breaking ball, and of course, as I mentioned, the wind was blowing in about 35 miles per hour. And uh, I looked up, and I kind of gave up on the ball because I know when he hit the ball, it's out of the ballpark, when he get it good because he line drive hitter. But this particular day, the ball was a little high. He got under it a little bit more, and the wind pushed it back in the ballpark. And I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, and I almost gave up on it, but I stayed with the ball. And the only, the only reason I caught that ball is a little uh, the fence go around like going to the clubhouse the visiting cl- the home clubhouse there's a that that fence that goes around and I got had to get up in that frantic to catch the ball from home plate and I think I was looking mostly at the scoreboard when the ball came back in the ballpark. so mm-hmm. it was a it was a it was a hell of a thing and then you look up and you see Henry Aaron coming around the first base and you know, he kicking the dirt and say, "I thought I had it," and he was breaking up a no-hitter, and uh, it was just a it was just a a different day that day. It was he, the team Atlanta hit a lot of hard balls, and uh, I guess when we got in the clubhouse, it was a big deal because we thought about the ball that was hit out the ballpark, but I think the last out was hit to Glenn Beckett. And Beck wasn't sure he got to catch the ball. He got kind of rubber leg. So when we got in the clubhouse, and uh, we started laughing about it.
7: Hmm. Hey, 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 Billy, a lot of a lot of players, younger players, have talked about Hank being a mentor. But uh, I'm interested in 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 these meetings that you guys used to have before spring training down in in Alabama, <laughs> where the mobile players like Willie McCovey, Tommy Agee, Cleon Jones, you, I think your brother Franklin, right? Like. Uh, <laughs> What um, uh, what would would was Hank the leader of those meetings as he was talking to you? What were the, what was he talking about? But when you guys would get together,
1: well, you know it starts out like uh, about I guess about three weeks before spring training. We we're all call around and get together at uh, at uh, Carver Stadium, and this is about a block from where uh, Aaron was raised up, and he had been in the major league for quite some time, about three or four years, I think. But we'll call around to guys in the minor league, and at that time, and uh, we, we 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 go out and hit. We take about two rounds of batting practice. We take some fly balls. We take some, you know, uh, uh, hitting, and then we'll uh, after that we'll go sit in the stand and we'll just uh, have conversation about baseball, about pitching in the major league. And just about the whole rim of the game of baseball, how to play it, uh, what to do in different situations. Uh, most of all, we talk about talk about the pitching. And you know, guys would sit there because they had been in the major league for quite some time. So hmm. he had the floor. And I guess you know when you're young and see this individual have had the success you have had in the big league, you know, throughout the minor league and the big league. You listen, and uh the thing he talked about a lot of times, he got in the hitting, standing behind the ball, uh hitting the ball lay all fields. You know, he just he just had a had a had a way of talking about the whole game of baseball and I guess it worked out because a lot of guys that uh he sat and talked to, a lot of that, a lot of those guys you know, came behind him and made the big league and had some good years on a major league level. So we listened what he said. He talked about a lot of things about baseball. And all of a sudden, we get a chance to play, and we tried to do it for others coming along.
8: That's the voice of Billy Williams joining us on Inside the Clubhouse this Saturday morning. We're privileged to talk to Billy about the life and times of Henry Aaron, who passed away uh, yesterday at age uh, 86, Billy, uh, a different time, a different era. Fergie Jenkins was on uh, our station yesterday. He talked about uh, his relationship with um, with Hank Aaron, but he talked about how most of it was when they both were in the Hall of Fame, like you uh, joined him in the Hall of Fame. Talk mm-hmm. about the pitcher the pitcher hitter dynamic back then. I remember actually bringing bob gibson over to you during uh spring training one year and you guys didn't know each other all that well uh explain that dynamic about how pitchers and and hitters didn't talk well
1: (laughs) when you mentioned bob gibson he didn't talk to his own players you know when he was (laughs) on pitch that night he didn't talk to his own players and uh, I think at Ernie's field, I talked about Bob Gibson, and Ernie used to talk about all the time, say, Billy's going to hit a home run off you. And I say, don't make that sucker mad. He's mad already, you know. <laughs> but uh, pitchers, pitchers in, the, in the major league, uh, they never did have great friendship unless that guy was on his own team. Because most of all, when he's out there pitching, he's trying to get this guy out. You know, and it, and it, and it makes it tough to have that conversation. I remember one time, they uh, the, the 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 rule they had, you know, when you uh, visit another team or a team come to you, it had a fraternizing rule. They charge you fifty dollars every time you stand back there and talk to a guy too long, and that's the way it was in the fifties because, you know, there was a lot of sliding, breaking up double plays, knocking down. That was a lot of stuff, so you didn't want to. Uh, get in between that you played the game as it should be played and every phase of the game you played it hard
7: a Billy he sat breaking ball his whole career he said every at bat of his life he sat on a breaking ball because he couldn't get a fastball by him that's (laughs) that's special stuff what made it so quick those wrists.
1: That's, that's, that's why Henry Aaron hit 755 home runs. A lot of the players who have played Major League Baseball, they do it a little different way. Uh-huh. And I think Aaron did that because he was so quick, the timing, the precision timing at the plate. And he could wait on a breaking ball. And I've seen balls that, uh, you know, if he's waiting on a breaking ball and the ball is inside and he could still get to that baseball. And most of the individuals now, they hit off the fastball. And, uh, you know, if they're working on a breaking ball and they get the ball inside, I think they're going to get jammed. But Aaron was a different type of hitter. He was so quick at the plate, he stayed behind the ball. A lot of people say he hit off his front foot, you know, but he didn't. The ball was gone at the time. He stayed behind the ball. He was quick. And, uh, you know, he just got the bat head through the ball. He had strong wrists, strong hands and uh, precision timing. So that's what made him a good
2: hitter. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.